Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday, which means it is Mental Health Monday. We'll get to that in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Are you feeling distressed? Uh, well, actually. <laughs> well, actually. Well, good. We get to, not good that you're feeling distressed, but we get to talk about distress today in Emotions and the Gospel with Dignus Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Okay, I have to say that ironically, most of the time when someone's feeling distressed, they're not really going to be able to answer like, yes, I'm distressed because by nature, distress takes us offline on our prefrontal cortex, which is our language center. And so it's a little harder to express where we're at when we're distressed. But I like that Sarah can say in rewind, <laughs> maybe looking at where I'm at presently in my life, I'm feeling the impact of distress, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if it affects the things in my brain, like language mm. or speech, let's talk a little bit more about this. What might distress feel like or look like? Yeah. So distress is especially related to that thing that we call emotion soup. It's, it's really related to just one emotion. I think this distress is closest to what we think of as just a sense of overwhelm, right? Where, you know, take the two components of the word, <laughs> di, in stress, right? Distress. It's this stress has captured us, essentially. It feels like the stress has taken over our body in some way, shape, or form. Some of us actually might have experienced distress in such a way that as I say that, you can probably feel it in your body somewhere um, as I talk about it. Because distress is a very physical emotion, especially when we don't have words. We experience the physicality of emotion even more. It's stored in us, like especially neurologically or in our nervous system. It's related to more of the emotional core of our brain. It feels kind of chaotic by nature because its storage is chaotic. And that's all neuroscience that we're learning a lot more about. And so, you know, all of that is some theory mixed with some fact based on MRIs and, and imaging and things that we do of the brain, as well as storytelling people's experience of distress. And so distress is, it's very individual how we experience the components of it, but that, that theme of chaos and that theme of overwhelm are especially important. I would say there is a piece to distress that is usually connected to our core, our spine, and our brain. And so because distress is usually at its most heightened form, that fight, flight, freeze, fawn, flock, those kinds of what we traditionally think of as fight or flight responses, stress responses, it starts somewhere. Often there's this gut instinct that we talk, to, talk about in response to something and then it travels up very quickly to our brainstem. And our brainstem is that component of our brain that's supposed to keep all of the survival online. And the rest of the things kind of get turned off depending on what phase of distress that we are in. And that's like it's very extreme form. There's a lot of things in between that, but I think most of them include that feeling of some kind of punch in the gut is what we like 
colloquial call it, right? But you might experience something in your core, your mid-region. Maybe it takes your breath away. There's a lung component, a heart component. Our heart rate speeds up. It travels up quickly. Sometimes I get like a fiery sensation even in my chest that's like, hello, like radar, pay attention. You know, like if I feel like a car is going to hit me on the road in snowy Michigan or something like that. So so th those components we experience as individuals, but there's that kind of line of flight, if you will, of the signals within our body that create that sense of overwhelm. And I need to survive this moment. It's funny while we're talking about this, I'm starting to feel those sensations. Oh, sorry. Yeah, now we need a deep <laughs> breath. And we are, we are all fine. We are not in danger. We are not overwhelmed. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. And those, so, those self-talk things are super important, right, Sarah? Like your belly yeah. responds even while we talk about it. And so reminding our bodies of the truth of where we're at, the truth that God is taking care of us, all of those components we'll get to, but that's really important. Yes, we will. We will come down from the the mountain of distress in, in a minute. But first, what? <laughs> let's talk. Let's dig in. longer. Yes. 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 Exactly. What happens then when we have this this sense of heightened emotion? These feelings that are happening in our bodies. This, like you, like you said, the like I need to survive this moment. What happens when that is when that happens over a long period of time, or or we don't manage those symptoms we don't work okay. through maybe what triggered that what happens in our bodies when that happens well the stacking metaphor is again useful here right so you you have a moment of distress maybe 17 moments of distress and when those are not processed or given the space they need then they you know they connect to each other like the flocking of the fact that we're made for people and we need people in connection in our lives is is it's almost true on a cellular level. Like these things connect to each other within our systems. And so if you think of that from your core, there's a moment of distress one, moment of distress two, moment of distress three, and they're collecting, right? Like cancer cells to some degree. And they are building. Then it's a shorter ride, if you will, from that core to the brainstem. And you will start jumping to that quicker. You'll be more reactive is what we call it to the world around you, to the relationships in your life, to the things that mimic that or that distress that you had, that first one, that second one, that third one. And it's a challenge. Our body needs some time, some space and some skills and energy, some connection given toward it to calm it, to let it know and to take one piece of that distress off at a time and return back to that base of I'm safe, I'm okay, the world is dangerous, we're honest about that, but we're not there right now. Um, so that reactivity is what a lot of people experience, you know, in EMDR therapy world, we call it flipping your lid. Like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm not fine, right? It just all comes out and we're like, what in the world? I, that's not the person I want to be, right? I want to be balanced and have a pause before my response. But in reality, it's not you responding, it's your distress a lot of times responding because remember, it takes parts of your brain offline and that reactivity will come harder and faster than we prefer because of those experiences when they're not given space to process, whether that's in conversation with friends in that those 
four ways we talked about, right? Expressing it, contemplating it, giving it time for God to tend to, moving and, um, you know, even dancing or relaxation exercises or taking a walk, those regulatory things or connection with God and other people. I think a little bit of irony about this is I see that sometimes happening closer to the holidays when mm. all these things are <laughs> piling up and that's yeah. when it all kind of breaks loose. Mm-hmm. So what happens when distress is left untended when, well, you just mentioned like in EMDR that you describe it as flipping your lid, but what happens when it's left untended? What can happen, I should say? Well, our you know, that reactivity is something we just talked about. But the other thing, and I talk about this at length in Finding Hope in the trauma section, is that we have the the shame becomes like deep shame, in, embedded shame that I, I am not good. I am not worthy. I am a mess. I am, right, without the meeting of the other cognitions of I am worthy, I am loved. I can overcome, you know, God is with me, all of those things. That shame gets a little deeper. It gets harsher. The inner critic grows often. And then because it's so uncomfortable, and this is very Adam and Eve of us, I think, Genesis 3, we blame then. We throw it out. We explode because it's so uncomfortable in our system. And so we're much more likely to, you know, throw it on to other people, unfortunately, in ways that feel really inauthentic. It's not like, oh, we're looking for accountability in our loved ones. Instead, we have these moments where we have almost an out-of-body experience is what it feels like. Like, what? Like, I just lost it. I exploded. Or we do end up with things like chronic pain because our bodies and our emotions and that stacking experience in our core, on our spine, in our muscles, the heaviness in our chest, all of those are physical experiences. We want to think, I think, that our emotions and our mind are completely separate from our physical health. But in reality, that stacking is cellular. And so we experience it as such. And then our body is holding the struggle. It is the the keeper of our stories and our shame and our hurt. And we need to give it ways to release it, right? Confession and absolution is one of those ways. Absolutely. Being tended in God's word is one of those ways. But therapy, even medications to help kind of release some of the toxins, the ways that our neurochemistry has been changed in order to keep us alive in those moments can get stuck long term and some medications help rebalance that. Yeah, just lots of different things within our body to tend to. And when it gets left untended, there will be results. There's a book I've been reading recently that is it's not a Christian book and I'm not necessarily even recommending it, but The title of the book is What Happened to You? And their entire goal is to help you start asking that question instead of what's wrong with me. (laughs) And I think it's a good question because then we can start to listen to those places in our body. It's not like we're, we're just all blaming other people for all of our problems. We're not sinners anymore. No, but it is like, what, what has happened that has brought my body to this place that has brought my mind to this place? And how can God tend to it would be my addition to that question. Hmm. I was just realizing a little bit ago, it is a bit also ironic that we use the phrase emotional soup, especially when talking about distress, because 
soup is a comfort food. It is. Mm, I love it. Mm-hmm. So like feeling lots of distress, I end up making soup. <laughs> <laughs> it helps you process. I, I suppose so. I just thought that was a bit ironic. Well, we have moved. I know. Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. But I'll talk about ways we can maybe regulate and bring ourselves uh-huh. back from that distress, you know. Maybe. And it involves soup, right? I mean, it can. It can. Let's add that to the list. It's, it's February. Like it, it it is, it's definitely it's, soup weather. It is. Yes. It is. We are learning about distress in emotions in the gospel with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We'll continue the conversation right here at the Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday, and we are taking a look at the topic of distress in emotions and the gospel book from Heidi Gaiman. Okay, so I I brought up the idea of food again because <laughs> big surprise. But we were talking about starting to talk about regulating mm-hmm. ways or coping or regulating with distress. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. take it away. Well, part of this is like we said at the top of the hour, ironically, like, let's take a deep breath and let's return back to, you know, the baseline. Let's respond essentially to the way that our body is reacting with a conversation with it and and listen to it and then respond so that we can bring it off the mountain, right, of whatever distress, that sense of overwhelm bring it back to the shore from the waves pummeling it, if you will, and give it what it needs. Now, that said, we are imperfect people, so sometimes we don't know what it needs. Oftentimes, we don't know what it needs, and sometimes we even have bad ideas about what it needs, right? Like, this is sometimes where addictions come from, or self-harming behaviors, or codependent relationships, like things that are not helpful for us, we will seek after sometimes to to soothe our distress. So instead, we look to research, we look to God's word, and we look to some healthy people in our life to help us sort through what are some coping mechanisms, what are some ways that we can be restored from that distress rather than simply manage it with things that are not so good for us. And so we know from research, breath matters. It really just does matter. I tell my clients, like, some of the most important things, air, food, water, sleep, relationships, like those are, you know, kind of the big five. Let's work on those first. And so if if we're not sleeping well, that's one thing we can do to soothe our distress is to focus on our sleeping and trying to get the rest that we need. And if sleeping is something a little out of our control, which it feels like sometimes, especially when there has been overwhelm, trauma, distress in our life, um, we can pick up other kinds of rest, reading a book, taking time, doing that 
you know, self-care is what we call it in therapy world. I like to think of it in a Christian context as like the things, the ways that God tends to us through the gifts that he's given us, right? So having a cup of tea is a soothing behavior, taking a bath, giving our our bodies some time to relax if sleep is not the thing that we can grab in our in our distress or because of our distress. Food matters. Good things for your body matter. Please have some dark chocolate also. Like that is also good. Things that food that makes us happy has a purpose. You know, we can take that too far. But at the same time, I think sometimes we have so much concern. We're going to take it so far that we just forget that food is a, it is given to us in as a gift, right? And I think it can be really helpful eating a salad. It goes a long way. I remember one time I was in the airport in Chicago O'Hare and I was definitely at a level of distress where I burst into tears in front of the gate agent. I had been stranded there twice that weekend already. I wanted to go home. And instead of, you know, like disconnecting, this particular gate agent said, you know, let me get you a sandwich and a drink. And like, that's what they did. And I sat on the floor and ate my sandwich and drink. (laughs) I felt like a human again. And like the problem suddenly felt solvable. And this is one reason we say, can I get you a glass of water (laughs) when someone's in distress? I think we intrinsically know water goes a long way in, in restoration and healing inside of our body, but also it helps us feel connected and useful with that person. It says, I'm here with you. I'm not leaving. And so uh, water, candy, hard candies, gum, things like that are really helpful. If you're with someone who's in distress of some kind, even just emotional distress, maybe it's not like a physical experience for them, but they, you get a sense that they're overwhelmed. When we eat a piece of hard candy or we get our saliva moving in our mouth, that is a secondary system. So it actually turns our brains from only using the brainstem or those fight or flight things back to the other systems. The gustatory system is that digestive system. And it says, oh, we are alive. Like we can do things like eat candy. So we must not be in terrible, you know, like concern for our survival. And so a small thing like that, like getting your saliva moving does make a big difference in distress. And then relationships, just connecting with people like you're not made to be alone in distress more than any emotion. That's maybe overstated, (laughs) but it really needs connection. It really, really is healed through knowing that I don't have to walk in this world by myself kind of halfway joke about naps and snacks, but naps and snacks really do go a long way when you're feeling turmoil inside to just to, to have the, the capability of knowing that that's what's happening and to take a pause. I think we've talked about pauses before and to get a piece of food and maybe sleep and all of a sudden things aren't generally, not all the time maybe, but things feel a little bit more manageable. I think that's that's just very wise advice well, for the hard stuff in life. It really is. And I think that we, sometimes as Christians, I feel like we live in suck it up Christianity. <laughs> like, you know, like that God wants us just to keep going because our job here is to serve him and to work for this kingdom. And like, well, I mean, yeah, we get to do those things. God is a, a provider. He is a caregiver. There is a verse in the book. Let me see if I can find it quickly here. 
that's from the Psalms. And it is just so exquisite at expressing like what we need from God in our distress and that he actually does respond, right? It says, look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns, my heart is ringing, no, is rung within me because I have been very rebellious. So this distress is about this person's own accountability, right? In the street, the sword bereaves the house. It is like death. And that's actually from Lamentations, not the Psalms. But then in John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, right? It's like, I love scripture into scripture, right? And this is like God's response. Like, my heart is wrung within me. And Jesus says, but take heart. Like, I have overcome the world. And I think that knowing that God values being with us in that distress is part of knowing God instead of only serving God, if you will. So is there anything good or positive that comes out of distress or even just the word distress or the process of being in distress? Well, I think it's really incredibly validating to have a word for it, which is why I wrote the mm. section of the book, right? Like, oh, okay, so that's a just an experience of humanity is being distressed. I think there's a lot of shame around getting overwhelmed. I think especially as a woman, and Andy, you can totally correct me, maybe, maybe you have even more shame at times culturally about being overwhelmed, but if I get in distress, I feel like that's such a reflection of like, oh, she's the woman who's like, she, you know, has too many emotions. And and so we have to be really aware of those cultural layers. And I think the word distress is really validating. Like this is stress coming at me from the outside and then welling up from the inside and meeting each other and, and then flowing out in the sense of overwhelm. So I like having that name for it. And it's it's in scripture. Thank you, God, for recognizing that this isn't just 21st century America. Like this is a human experience that he responds to. The other thing I would say is really good is like, well, I mean, the world has danger. What would we do without a response to danger? And this is where I think things like fear and even anger or rage get a bad rap. Like they can be very harming for us when we aren't processing them, right? Or when we're throwing them out in behaviors. But the fact that our body has a response system designed by God for a broken world so that we could process our stuff, respond, keep ourselves alive, and then be able to be restored through other means, through God's grace, that is good to me. You know, it kind of is good along the lines of Good Friday good. Like, I don't, you know, Good Friday, a lot of kids ask, like, why is it called Good Friday? Like, Jesus died. This is not good. But we know as adults, like, it is good. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came down, that he spent time with us, that he experienced his own very human sense of distress while still being God and and doing that imperfection and dying and rising for us, I would say that that's kind of how distress is in our lives. Like it, we are made to have a response. Thank God he created us to live in a broken world in a way that would work, even though it doesn't always feel good. Hmm. I would say in response to what you said about, particularly for women yeah. experiencing shame with having strong emotions or mm -hmm. uh, think about it culturally, how do we, how do we regard men who have mm -hmm. strong emotions that aren't anger? Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's so true, Andy. Yeah. And that's one reason I was backtracking when I said that to you, because I was imagining like I'm allowed at least to some degree to have this overwhelm. People don't like it and they complain about it or criticize it. But I do think there's so, so much of this like expectation for men to stomp it down. Right. And then the stacking happens and and that can be really detrimental and also it can be disconnecting. And that's really important. We wonder why in family life, like, or even in church life and stuff, like, well, men don't engage in the way we want. Well, I mean, maybe we ask them not to be themselves. We've asked more from them that is not fair. And that stress can keep us disconnected because the vulnerability is just too much. That's why we just eat comfort food. <laughs> oh, I didn't talk about soup. We have to go back to the soup. Oh, okay. yes, yeah. We have about a minute left to talk about soup. Okay, well, briefly, right. is that the soup is one of those ways. Okay, something warm does help regulate the system, right? In the same way, if you think about inflammation in your joints or, you know, you have a sports injury or some kind of injury, you use heat and cold, right? It kind of reminds our body, settles it down. It's a regulatory thing. And so good job, hot soup. All right. What's your go-to hot soup, Heidi? So I like vegetable beef soup a lot because I really, really, really like to know I'm getting my veggies. Like it just makes me feel better about life, like that I've fed my body good stuff. But if I was honest, I have a soup called Good Friday Baked Potato Soup because it's so ugly, but it tastes so good. And that's like the ultimate comfort. Mm -hmm. Sarah? Chicken and vegetable Mm. in the Instant Pot. Oh, Mm. It's amazing. I don't eat it. It's very easy. <laughs> Mine is jalapeno sweet potato soup. <laughs> what? That's a thing? It is. Wow. It is it's, a Texas, <laughs> it's a Texas thing. Oh, and man. It's like this creamy, creamy soup. I know the jala- the, the name jalapeno in the title kind of throws you off. There, There's yeah. a little bit of jalapeno in it, but it's not that spicy. <laughs> right, right. Okay. But it's a it's a creamy, like thick, rich mm-hmm. You take a nap after you eat it, sort of. Okay. Soup. Okay. So yeah, like I need to try this now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He'll send you the recipe. I do. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we've talked about distress, but we've also talked about some some comfort mm. foods and regulating as well. And, and next time we're going to talk about weariness. Mm, great. So, yes. You can you can find out more uh, emotions and the gospel. Great resource. A great book from Heidi. You can find out more at HeidiGaiman.com. You can find the book in a number of places: Concordia Publishing House, Amazon, anywhere you buy awesome books, probably. Right, mm-hmm. Heidi. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Heidi, for spending time with us on The Coffee Hour today. Thanks. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.